Amen, amen. You can be seated. I preached some time back this year uh, out of this text concerning the javelin of jealousy, but uh, just preaching through the life of David as we come to this text tonight, it's amazing how the God, how God will take a passage of Scripture and turn it over in another form or another fashion and show you things that maybe you didn't see before. And I come to verse number 5 tonight, and the Bible says here that David went out whithersoever Saul sent him, and he behaved himself wisely, and notice this, and Saul set him over the men of war. Notice that phrase there where the Bible says that Saul set David over these men of war. And I want to preach a few minutes tonight on this subject on the price of promotion. The price of promotion. You know, every one of us in this life, if we be honest, we want to be promoted. Amen? I mean, whether it be in, in, in our job or whether it be in our spiritual life or whether it be uh, with our family, we're always looking for promotion. We're always looking to go forward or to be moved up from where we're at today. And I don't think that promotion, uh, desiring that altogether within, within itself is bad, but I think one thing we have to remember is that whenever promotion comes comes our way, it doesn't come without a price tag. Amen? And this is what we see here in the life of David. David has been anointed to be the king of Israel, and David is expecting to take the throne as Samuel anointed him. He knows that day is coming in his life. But God did not just take David out of the field and put him in the palace. Amen? He didn't take him, in other words, away from those few flock and just set him on the throne and say, now you're going to be the king of Israel. No, there was a process, and there was a line, a chain of command, if you will. There was a time of promotion and demotion in the life of David and every one of these are used that he might better prepare David to be the man that God saw that he could be. You know, if you and I had it the way that we wanted to in life, we'd just go straight to the top. Isn't that right? I mean, that's the way I'm built tonight. I mean, we don't want to climb the ladder of anything. We don't have to go through the process, but I mean, wouldn't you like to just go on the job tomorrow, fill out an application and just become the boss? Amen. Wouldn't you like to just sign your own paycheck? Wouldn't you like just to set your own schedule and just set your own rules? I mean, we just want to, I mean, we, I mean, you'd be crazy to say that you wouldn't want promotion tonight. You'd be crazy to say, well, if you can go to the top, then why not go there? But I'm going to tell you oftentimes what we don't realize is that whenever we meet that or get to that promotion, with it comes great responsibility, with it comes a great price tag. Sometimes in this world, we find out that promotion is not everything that it's cracked up to be. Can I get a witness on that right there? I know if you work for Coca-Cola, you can say amen. amen. Do you know what tonight? Promotion has a price tag. And David's going through the process. He's just cut the head off of Goliath. He's had this conversation with Saul, the king of Israel. And now Saul, the Bible says in verse number five, he sets him over the men of war. But David does not realize what all that is entangled and what all is entitled with this. He is about to encounter and face some things that he never thought that he would encounter. And I want to stop and say this. I'm glad that God does not show us the big picture to begin with or we'd never get out of the bed in the morning. You know that? And I see in verse number five here, I see David's action as the Bible said that David went out whithersoever that Saul sent him. What I see here in the action of David's life is that David is obedient, amen? If you want to be promoted in life, and I'm talking about good promotion, I'm talking about having God's favor and having God's hand, it all begins and it all ends with obedience, amen? 
I remind you the reason that Saul lost the throne, the reason that Saul lost the kingdom was because of a lack of disobedience. And if you want God's blessing on your job, if you want God's blessing, young people in your home, listen, those things of promotion, the price tag is it all begins with obedience. And David is simply just doing whatever Saul asked him to do. Often that's the way promotion is. I see David's action. Also, I see David's attitude. Notice the Bible said in verse number five that he behaved himself wisely. You know, people that don't behave wisely don't get promoted. You think about the guy on the job that wants to act like a jerk. I mean, the guy on the job that wants to reap havoc. The guy on the job that doesn't want to do his job. He's always the guy that's looking for the next supervisor's job, but he's not doing the job, uh, Brother Lamar, that he's supposed to be doing. And he's making it harder on everybody else that's on that job. That guy may be looking for a promotion, but he's not going to get one. I remember when I worked on in the carpet mill, the people that was always late, the people that never showed up on time, and the ones that always criticized the supervisors and complained about the work schedule was always the ones signing up on the next bid sheet that was posted out there in the break room. And I thought to myself, man, I'm not even a supervisor, and I can go ahead and tell you, you're not getting that job. Can I get a witness on that? You know why? Because they didn't behave themselves wisely. I'm telling you, attitude determines our altitude with God. Our attitude, if we want God's blessing, if we want God to promote us, we've got to keep the right attitude. We've got to, we've got to be positive. We, and I'm not talking about, again, a Joel Osteen mentality, but I'm glad before Joel Osteen ever showed up, the apostle Paul wrote in this book that he talked about thinking on things that are high, light, lovely and things that are pure, as I mentioned this morning. Listen, if you want to have a good life, it doesn't, listen, it's not wrapped up in having money. It's not wrapped up in having an easy world. It's wrapped up in just being happy where God has placed you and with what God has given you in this life. And so I see David's attitude. He's just happy doing what God has called him to do. I see David's advancement as the Bible says here that Saul set him over these men of war. Then I see his acceptance as the Bible says he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servant. Now I promise you if God promotes you, he's going to listen, give you the ear and he's going to give you those that are uh, along with you to support you in what you're doing. Amen. Stop and say this about this church. I thank God for this church. But we couldn't, we couldn't accomplish the things that we're trying to accomplish. And I know it takes the Lord, but I'm saying we couldn't do it tonight if we didn't work together. Amen. It's not about the pastor. It's not about the deacons. It's not about the membership. I think that's what makes this church so special is that we don't elevate man. We don't lift man up. I do believe we ought to give respect and we ought to give respect where respect is due and we ought to treat each other with respect. But at the same time, listen, when we come, we come to worship God. We come to do the work of God. Isn't that right? I've been in those places where it was all about man and it was all about a worship and a man and lifting up man. Now I'm gonna tell you that's dangerous because you'll crash and burn every time if you follow man rather than follow Christ. Amen. And I see here David's acceptance. I see also his accomplishment. Notice verse number six, and it came to pass as they came when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistines. You know what David has accomplished that has impressed Saul so much? He has conquered the greatest enemy of God in this, testament, in this chapter here. The enemy of God in this passage is the Philistines. Isn't that right? 
The Philistines represent the world. The reason David got promoted, and you young people listen to this, the reason David got promoted was because David had a hatred for the world and David slaughtered the world in his life and David conquered the world in his life. Now I want to tell you something. If you want God to promote you, then you've got to have a, I'm not talking about a hatred toward mankind, but I'm talking about the world system. You can't love the system of this world. You can't follow the fashions and the pattern of this world. You've got to make your mind up just like David did. You say, well, preacher, how do I handle this world? You slaughter it every chance you get. Amen? You stand against the world's philosophy. You stand against the world's system. You stand against the world's goals tonight. You stand against their wardrobe. You stand against their mentality. I mean, you take a hard stand against this world, and you can stand straight, and you can stand hard and not be a smart aleck and not be uh, listen, controversial. I know controversy is going to come, but you don't have to go inviting it to your doorstep, if you'll just live a godly life, if you'll just stand for what you know is right, I promise you, friend, you will stand out in this world. Amen. But David accomplished that. He overcame the Philistines and you and I, if we want to be promoted by God, we've got to overcome the world in our life. You know, I'm amazed at how many churches today, and I know to an extent, let's be honest, we're all worldly tonight, aren't we, to an extent? We battle it in our life. But I'm telling you, in my life and in your life, the goal should be to overcome worldliness. But I'm shocked at how worldly our churches have become. How that we just make exceptions for anything that, that in this day and time, if the crowd is for it, then we find a reason to justify it. I'm not necessarily talking about this church, but uh, in and out of churches a lot, and I see things, and, and, and I mean, how easy, you know, we just accept things. There are just some things I'm not going to accept. Can I get an amen right there? It may cost us membership. It may cost us money. It may not be as big as it could be. But I'm telling you, I'm not looking for just bigger and better. You, I want to grow. I want to reach souls. I want to do what God would have us to do, but not at the expense of allowing the world to take control of our church. Amen. I don't want the world to have nothing to do with our music. I don't want the world to have nothing to do with our Bible. I don't want the world to have nothing to do with our standards or any of our philosophies or any of our thinking. We're God's people. We're a holy people. And if we're going to keep the presence of God, then we must stand against worldliness in this hour. Amen. And so David accomplished this. I see his acknowledgement. Notice the Bible said in verse number six, the word of God said that the women came out of all cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, with instruments of music. And the Bible says the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Now here's the problem tonight. David gets recognized for what he's done. Notice it's not David singing these praises. The Bible said, let another man praise thee. Boy, we could preach and park there for a little while, couldn't we? And I'm not talking about just people. I'm telling you it's sad. But in our day, the preachers that want to sing their own praises... They want people to, to, to acknowledge who they are and what they've done. I'm going to tell you something, friend. If we're going to reap any rewards at the judgment seat, then we're to serve God and we're to remember that's what we are. We're just servants. Amen. I'm talking about the pastor tonight. I'm nothing but a servant of God. I'm telling you, I live in, in flesh just like you live in. I'm a man just like everybody else tonight. And if God don't bless me and if God don't help me, I'll fall on my face. Amen. It was mentioned in the prayer room about being nothing. And I was sitting there and I 
was thinking to myself, Lord, I'm nothing, amen? I mean, I'm a failure. How many of y'all feel like a failure sometimes or most of the time in your life? Hey, brother, that's exactly the way I feel. But I'm glad God's merciful to us. I'm glad that God works in spite of us and not because of us, amen? Or we would never get anything done tonight. You know what, David, in this text, he's paying no attention to the praises that's being sung to him. Oh, I listen tonight. You preachers hear me. You young people hear me tonight. Thank God for encouragement, but pay no attention to the praises. You've got to let them go in one ear and out the other. It'll ruin you. Somewhere along the way, Saul started listening to the praise. And the sad thing is he started believing it. When somebody else come along and they started getting, quote, unquote, more praise than he was getting, Saul began to get jealous. And I'm going to tell you, it can happen from the pulpit to the pew tonight. What happened to Saul in this text was he got his eyes on three things. And I want to tell you the, promote, the price of promotion. You want to know what the price of promotion is? It is the javelin of jealousy. The price of promotion is, is that if God uses you and if God blesses you, somebody else is going to attack you. Now, ultimately, that's the devil. But it may be a family member. It may be a co-worker. It may be a friend. It may be, listen, it may be a church member. But you've got to remember that if you live for God and if you serve God, there's going to be an attack on your life tonight. The devil hates every one of us, doesn't he? The world hates us tonight. And boy, when I think about David in this text here and Saul, Saul got his eyes on three things. You say, preacher, what was he looking at? I'm gonna tell you the first thing Saul did was he got his eyes on people in this text. The Bible says in verse number seven that the women answered one another. Saul was looking at these women as they was playing, as they was singing. Saul got his eyes on these people. And I'm gonna tell you something, it caused jealousy in his heart. Friend, listen, every one of us tonight, if we're not careful, it's so easy to get our eyes on people. I love people, don't you? I thank God for God's people. But we cannot afford to, to, to get our eyes on people tonight. We can't afford to, to look to people tonight. Looking to people, my friend, will, will harm us. It'll hinder us. Uh, you say, but preacher, I really love these people. And I want to tell you something. It doesn't matter who they are. We're all subject to failure tonight. I've made so many mistakes in my life, I just quit counting them. Amen. 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 You, you, you pick an avenue tonight. As a father, as a husband, as a pastor, as a preacher, I'm telling you, listen, as a Christian, you name the area tonight, and I promise you I've got more failures than I do success. Now, that's something we don't like to talk about, but it's reality tonight. It brings us down to where we're supposed to be at. It reminds me of who I am and how great God must be to keep on working with me, to keep on using me. I'm telling you, the only reason God uses any of us, any of us anyways is not to elevate us. It's not to show how great we are. It's to show how great God is, amen? I think that's why God allows us to fail. I think that's why he allows not everything we do to turn out right because in the end, if anything good happens, guess what? He did it, amen? And I'm telling you, Saul got in trouble because he got his eyes on people. People, amen. Now you can look at people and you can learn from people. But I'll tell you, the Bible says we're to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And Saul ruined his life because he got his eyes. He got jealous because he started looking at people. Even, your, even those that you respect the most, you cannot look to them as though you would look to Christ. And secondly, not only did he get his eyes on people, but Saul, he got his eyes here. I noticed in this text that he not only got his eyes on people, but he got his eyes on popularity. 
Notice what he said in verse number eight here. Saul was very wroth and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed unto David 10,000, but now watch this. And to me, they have ascribed but thousands. You know what Saul's really mad about? It's not, he's not mad because they're praising him. He's mad because they're not praising him enough. He's saying, man, you hear that? They're singing to David killing 10,000s. And they're only giving me a thousand. They're, they're giving me praise, but and they're, they, they didn't leave Saul out of the picture is what I'm trying to say. They were lifting David up and they were singing, but they didn't leave the king out. They were still giving respect. They were still giving honor to the king and saying Saul has killed it. David's killed his ten thousands and Saul his thousand. <clears throat> they were still praising Saul. It just wasn't enough. You say, preacher, why was he lying? Because when you get your eyes on popularity, it's never enough, friend. I'm telling you, listen, God didn't call us to be popular. God didn't call us to run for a vote. God didn't call us to be accepted by everybody. God just called us to serve, amen? And sometimes in pastoring, sometimes in preaching, sometimes in just being a Christian, sometimes in just being a parent, sometimes you're gonna be popular and sometimes you're gonna be unpopular. Sometimes them kids ain't gonna be happy with the decisions you make. I've watched parents ruin their children because they wanted to give in. They wanted to be popular with their children. Hey, it's not about being popular with your children. I've heard mothers make statements, we're just best friends. You know, it ought not be that way. You say, preacher, is there anything wrong with me and my, and my daughter being best friends? They're absolutely. They don't need another best friend. They need a mother. Amen. They don't, your, your son don't need a best friend. He needs a father. And there should be a vast difference between a father and a best friend. That's God's design order, amen? I do believe that your son should love you and should think of you as being a, 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 as someone that he can depend on. But when he thinks of you, he shouldn't put you in the same category that he puts those that he hangs out with school. Or listen, as a dad, I didn't want to be cool, amen? I wanted to be someone that could give counsel, someone that they, they knew would pray for them, someone that would make the right decisions in their life until they were the age to make those decisions, but they don't need a best friend. Amen. Even as a pastor. You know, in 18 years, I've had to learn that the hard way. You don't need a best friend. I watch pastors, sometimes they want to just, they want to be, and I understand it. I want, I want everybody here to like me. I hope nobody hates me tonight. You know, I'm not running for you to hate me. But I see pastors, they, their ultimate goal is to make everybody like them. I want every one of you to like me, but I'm telling you, I'm not put in a position tonight to earn popularity here. I'm not trying to turn the crowd against me. But I'm telling you, sometimes you have to follow God, and I don't even get offended at you for this, but there's been times we've made decisions that I knew but when, when it was going to be brought to the table, I said, Lord, you're going to have to help me because I don't think they'll understand this decision. You know why I knew that? Because sometimes I didn't understand that decision. All I knew was God put it in my heart and said, that's what I want you to do. And that's a difficult place to be in sometimes because you're trying to mind God, but you understand people may not understand fully, but hey, that's walking by faith, isn't it? Sometimes 
because I don't, I don't even know if it's all gonna work out the way we say it is because it's just by faith because we're not really the one in charge. It's him that's leading us and it's him that guides us. And so sometimes God will put the preacher to the test and say, well, this may not make you popular, but this is what I want you to do. Hey, listen, I'm thinking, I wanna say thank God. We're not to run for popularity. If you run for popularity, if you get your eyes on popularity, you'll get off course every time. I think of sometimes preaching a message that you know is not going to win the favor of someone. Maybe even they're going to get mad. A decision you make in the church. Maybe sometimes you counsel somebody and you know they're going to get upset because it's not what they want to hear, but it's the truth. And sometimes, Brother Ronnie, when you tell people the truth and you know they're going to, it's not, I remember one in particular time there was someone visiting with us and, and they, was, they was talking to us. and I mean, they was, I just knew there was no way to accept this. And so I let them talk, and when they got through, I just told them, I said, we can't do that. We're not going to do that. And they said, well, we would join the church if, 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 if y'all didn't believe this way. I said, I'm sorry. I hate that. I was kind to them. I said, but we're, that's just not who we are. I'm sorry. And I told them, I said, if you change your mind, I said, I would love to have you members of the church. But I said, that's just something that we've always believed and that we think's in the Word of God. We know. And I said, we just cannot change. You say, did they stay? No, they left. Sometimes doing the right thing is going to cause you not to be popular. Hey, young people, hear me tonight. Even your best friends may depart with, from you because you do what's right. We preach that to young people, but how many adults tonight needs to hear that also? I'm telling you, listen, the people you work with, God didn't put you there to, to be popular on the job. He put you there to be a lighthouse, a witness, a testimony. And you can be kind and you can be compassionate, but you must do the right thing. And sometimes the promotion that God gives you, the world may frown upon it. They may not look to it, but Joseph was in places in his life where he was not always accepted by this world. But no matter how the outcome, no matter the circumstance, no matter how bad it looked, it, when it looked like Joseph had a setback in life, God always had a way of reaching around in his life and just using that to elevate him a little bit more. You know why? The Lord was with Joseph because Joseph, didn't have his eyes on popularity. Joseph had his eyes on the Lord. He didn't have his eyes on people. So when people mistreated him, when people did him wrong, he just kept on serving God. He just kept on doing what was right. Hey, listen, when we come together, we're to look to Jesus because he'll never do you wrong in this life. Saul ruined his life because he got his eyes on popularity. He got his eyes on people. And then I'll say this tonight, he got his eyes on progress. Saul ruined his life and became jealous and bitter and turned against the one person that probably would have stood more by his side than anybody else. Do you know David, if Saul would have stayed right, David would have fought for Saul to his death. Saul turned against the one person that had tried to help him the most. You say, what caused that? He got his eyes on progress. You know, sometimes in life, God don't let us make the progress we want. I'm telling you, there's things that I would like to see God do tonight in this church that I believe he's going to do it, but I think it's going to take time. There's things tonight that if I could just tomorrow, if I could just start the process of making the progress, Brother Mar, I'd do it tomorrow. I'd start it tomorrow. But God, for some reason, just says, not right now. Boy, you just got to wait. I mean, you can't run ahead. I mean, you can't do these things ahead of God because it belongs to Him. 
It's not ours. It's not mine tonight. And so it is in our own life. There's things that we, we, we have goals, we have ambitions, and we want to step out and we want to do that. And then we see other people come along and they just seemingly pass us by. I don't know if I were to tell this, but I preached, uh, I preached for a guy. Um, I preached for a man. I preached, uh, I preached an anniversary for a man, his 10-year anniversary. And it was my 10-year anniversary. We were at, took churches at the same time. And when I went to preach for this man, uh, he said the, the church, he didn't know it. It was just going to be a surprise. You know, they wanted me. To, and so I get there, and he's, he's surprised. I don't know what they're going to do for him. And they, they got a big day planned for him on a Saturday. Well, they give him $10,000 for 10 years. Now, I'm telling you, I'm standing there. I, I was as shocked as he was. $10,000 for 10 years. And then they had a big meal, and after the meal was over with, they wanted him to go outside, and they took him outside, and they had bought him a $40,000 pickup. And I'm standing there thinking, Lord, I need these people to come down here to Bible. <laughs> Whoever they are, and write some checks for a 10-year anniversary. And uh, I came home, and we had our 10-year anniversary, and it was great, and I thank God for it. God so used that in my life because I didn't have to have a truck. I didn't have to have $10,000 in my pocket to appreciate the membership that God had allowed me to, to preach to. A year later, everything blew all to pieces. And the same church that did so much for him sought him and his family to destroy his life in ways that I cannot even tell you tonight. As much as they loved him, they hated him. If it had been here, I'd have went one way, y'all would have went another. You say, what are you saying, preacher? I'm so glad I didn't get my eyes on progress. I'm nothing tonight, hear me. I'm not elevating my flesh. But that would have ruined me. If I'd have come home with the mentality, well, I, I've been here 10 years. Bless God, I ought to get $10,000. I ought to get a new truck. Well, I mean, I know that's where the rubber meets the road, but let's just be honest. Is that not the way the flesh thinks sometimes? That's how we are. And I'm not saying they were wrong in what they were doing. I think every church were to do what they want to do. Amen. If they just give, hey, you know what? If a church gave you $10 for 10 years, you ought to thank God for it. Because it's an honor to serve Jesus, isn't it? We're not doing it for money. We're not doing it for things. I've said this many times, Brother David, and God knows my heart. The day may come, and I mean it. If this church never gave me another penny tonight, I believe I'm in the will of God. I'd go work a job. I'd sling a hammer. I'm telling you, I'd go back to working in the mill. I'd do whatever I needed to to just stay right here because God put me here. It ain't about money tonight. It ain't even about progress. I, I pray that God keeps blessing this church, but hey, just because winter times comes to a church and we've not seen that, I pray that we never do. I pray that God just lets this church keep thriving and keep going forward. But if winter time comes, it's not time to pull up stakes and leave, is it? It's not time to say, well, I'm done here. Let me go to the next church. or let's go. And that's for the pastor and that's for the membership too. Amen. If winter time comes, it ain't time to look around and say, well, maybe we need to go visit somewhere else and find. No, you got to stay where God puts you. Amen. Amen. 
Whoa, hey, you walk in Bible Baptist Church today and you enjoy this and, and thank God for it, but I'm going to tell you something that, that probably the majority of this congregation does not have not witnessed and has not seen. There was a time when this church went through a winter time, just like every other church does, but thank God there's some people, just a handful of, of them left, but there's a handful of people sitting in this congregation tonight. You know what they did? They stuck it out with the man of God. They stayed through the winter times. They didn't leave him just when things were, were good, and then they went bad, they stayed with him through the winter time. And you and I and our families get to enjoy what we have tonight because of some people that made it through. They didn't, they didn't get their eyes on progress. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus, when he started out, the crowds, they loved him and they followed him. When John the Baptist started preaching, they lined up the banks of the Judean hillside. But six months later, when he's cutting John's head off, there wasn't nobody following John hardly. They all left and went and followed Jesus. And then the closer Jesus gets to Calvary, the smaller the crowd gets. The multitudes have left him. And the greatest work of Jesus was not healing the sick and, and raising the dead. The greatest work was Calvary. And by the time Jesus gets to the cross, the progress looks so low and so slow that the only followers Jesus has to Calvary is a few women and a few disciples. They've all scattered. And Jesus walks up that lonely hillside. He doesn't have his eyes on people or he would have quit. He don't have his eyes on popularity because he wasn't popular at Calvary. He would have quit. He didn't have his eyes on progress because to this world, it looked like no progress was going to be made. Christ would die as a criminal. He would die with thieves, and he would die as a thief. But the greatest progress made in his life was on a lonely hillside. Amen. Between two thieves suspended between heaven and hell, Jesus stretched out his arms. When there wasn't no multitude, but there was a mob. And Jesus was faithful. And the price of promotion is Hebrews or is Philippians chapter 2 where the Bible says, Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do you know why Jesus, his name is elevated so high? Why he's so promoted? Because he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. The price of promotion for our Lord was a cross. And the price of promotion for all of us is a cross. Hey, it's not the promotion that I get down here. It's what I get up there. Amen. I remind us all tonight, we're not earning, we're not striving to win earthly titles and earthly crowns and earthly recognition. We're striving for a much greater reward. Isn't that right tonight? We're striving for eternal things. Let's lay up treasures in heaven. I know there's still a few days left in 2016, and I, we may not even see 2017, but if we do, hey, let's strive to lay up treasures in heaven. The progress we want to see should be on the other side, not just all about this side while we stand tonight. The price of promotion. I don't want to be promoted by man and for man. I want to hear the Lord say, well done. Thou good and faithful servant. That's the promotion that I'm looking for. Aren't you looking for that tonight? While we sing this hymn, if you need to come, would you mind God? To